Today on Time Out Coaching, we have one of the legends of British basketball coaching, a winner at every level he has coached, winner of 19 national titles and past head coach of both the England men's national team and the Great Britain wheelchair team. I'm pleased to welcome coach Dave Titmus. Coach, good morning. Thank you, Tony. Thanks. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, you know, we both know each other very well and you've done, I mean, your career is, you know, spans so, such a long time at the highest, highest levels. Um, and so, you know, want to try to do something slightly different today and talk, you know, a lot about, sure. you know, how, uh, you know, your philosophy and how it evolved and some of the things that conceptually that you were doing. Um, you know, so let's talk first about, you know, your early coaching philosophy um, and, and, and how did you come up with, you know, some of the things you, you, taught, you, you taught those times, especially um, I'm thinking more about, you know, the read and react, you know, offense, the, the rules-based motion offense. So where, where, where yeah. did you found, find that type of uh, that system and that philosophy? Well, you know, it's interesting that because obviously I was been looking back at things, and uh, uh, I mean, hell, I'm 75 now, so, so yeah, it's a time to review. But um, I think the the philosophy really is like a tree. You know, it's the trunk of the tree. So the ba my basic tenants haven't changed, and I know how I arrived at them, which I'll tell you about. But it's just the methods. Obviously, the you know in when was it two thousand when the um, shot when the three point shot came in, uh, that changed a lot of uh, approaches. I think, um, and, and I noticed that you know last year in the NBA, uh, I think something like half the teams shot forty percent of their shots were from three, and that was from like seventeen. So it, it obviously had a big a big thing. But for me. Um, I know exactly when it happened in the in the early days of the club at Hemel, we had um, gone through regional leagues. And in those days, you had to qualify for the NBL, which is not a bad thing to have to do. You know, you had to have criteria and, and you had to perform on the floor. There was an NIT tournament that we went to every year to try and get in. Anyway, we got in the league. We come from regional league. Then we got into the league and then we got promoted. And then we ended up with like a a full-time uh, pro team. So uh, my feeling is that the, the key, the most important role of a coach is to maximize the potential of the team he's got, you know, we, of the players he's got, we always, and that's what drove me in to create that, you know, to, to, to my search for, an approach and and developing a philosophy. You see it in the BBL and the NBL this this last season. I mean, we don't know the chemistries involved or really the skill levels of the players that that coaches have got. But you know, you get an idea and you think, well, you know, I've got, is he maximizing uh, what he's got? But here, here's the here's the the key thing for me. I. I had a team at Hemel. I had an NBA centre in Joe Joe Pace. Yeah. I had Larry Dassey at one one for just a wonderful wonderful man and a wonderful player, and a, a, a dual national Paul Stewart on the other wing. And when you looked at and we had really good guards, you know, um, and 
we got to Wembley and lost at Wembley. And my my feeling was that, you know, that that, that team hadn't realised the potential of that team. Sure. And that really started me on a on the on the journey and trying to understand uh you know what it what it was that that uh, how you maximize who the potential you had and and the amazing thing to me is that i i i have the same fundamentals uh and the same strategies and tactics and possibly environment as well as the other guy as the other coach so it's how do i use mine sure. uh, to, to beat him, you know, but, um, or to beat that, that team. Um, at, at this time though, um, you know, as a, a youngest, a young coach in, in the UK, you know, you were going, I'm assuming to, to America and you were looking to America for concepts or, you know, like the things that you, absolutely. Really gra- you know, gravitate to. So who were the, who were the coaches that really inspired you um, at that moment, you know, and you said, wow, you know, because I know myself, obviously having the luck to be involved with yourself at your program and, um, you know, meeting some of the great coaches in our country. But, you know, when I watch Rick Patino, it was a light, yeah. it was a light bulb moment for me. I was like, I wanted to know how he taught that pressure defense. Love, you know? yeah. And I went there, I actually went to his camp. I worked his camp, yeah. I saw the drills. Um, and I was like, this is what I'm taking back. It's going to be part of my core philosophy. And I know yeah. that, that, you know, must've, you know, happened somewhere along the line with yourself. Oh, uh, no question. We were always in that era. We were all looking West, weren't we? Uh, sure. Rather than to the, the European game. Uh, I heard Rick Pitino say once that all defense is ball defense. And that, that really, really stuck with me, you know, it's incredible. But in terms of, of uh, thinking my light bulb moment was um, I found some um, scruffy old clinic notes by Bob Knight, by coach Knight at Indiana and even got hold of some film of the early clips of, of what they were doing. And, it, it, it seemed to me, um, it was it was mind boggling for me because it seemed to me that offensively you've got a choice. You know, there's a continuum. At one end, you've got um, strict patterns, you know, maybe continuities, that sort of thing. And at the other end, you've got complete freelance, you know, that somewhere in the middle, I think uh, the rules based, uh, are rules based or action based, um, offenses. So, I, I, th- when I first looked at it, I wanted to know, um, you know, how how could I define it? How could I see where? And it just blew me. You know, the the his thought was um, he he went off and to design his motion, he called it motion. I, you know, it's a term a lot of people use, but don't sure. really understand, understand it. I think. it no. Yeah, I, I mean, he he. I know that he. Um, uh, spent time with Pete Newell and they they wrote down all of the potential actions. This is a good thing for, you know, we could all do this today. Sure, yeah. uh, wrote down all of the potential offensive actions um, and and also maybe how, how they would be guarded. So, yeah, you got a double stagger away or something and 
and what you could do with the ball or without the ball after you pass the ball what could you do there were seven things i think that he came out with so he put all these things together and here and here's the big idea he he and i can't intellectually i can't get past this you know he um he he said right well if if the defense does this then the offense must counter so um you know the great thing i i i like was it was the idea that you know the defense plays above you then you're going to back cut it plays below you you know you're gonna you're gonna face cut if if you screen if there's a screen somewhere that guy with the ball uh, that guy without the ball coming off the screen has got to be able to read and counter what the defense is doing if he's above it in back cut and so on there's no way uh, you know in some of these modern sort of pattern or some pattern type offenses as opposed to actions that um you know you can run a back cut and still continue the the continuity or, or still continue off it and that's the test yeah for me that's the test can you have you know create a screen situation where if the guy reads and makes a back cut or whatever or come, can you still run uh, what you're doing yeah you see what balance. i mean what, so that um, central idea really really got me going. i get a bit enthusiastic no about no no, no. <laughs> um at that time Am I um, right in thinking that his motion-based motion based principles were three out, two in, or were they four out, one one in? I, I, um, was, he, was he always believing there should be someone in the post and whatever, whenever that post was screened out, you know, someone should be in, or was it, or was, it was there the two, the two, the two bigs work together? Now, I mean, this was the fascination for me. He had seven alignments, seven different alignments with their own rules. Um, uh, the most successful, from my point of view as a coach, was the was the sort of um, high a high offense, you know. But no, he would have a single post four out. He would have three guys. His idea was that two guys in the post working together um was much easier to guard than three guys sure. in the post so, so you'd have three in two out right and then the guards would you know the defense would help off the guards so the guards were open and so on and those seven those seven alignments by a simple they had their own rules very similar you know sure. somebody below you you screen and so on but they the amazing thing about it was that you in one possession you could be running three out two in and then the next possession, you'd be five out or right. five high. Is the, was the way he called it. You know, sure. is what what he did. So in, you're always unpredictable to the defense. And within that system, you one of the criticisms is that you know anybody gets a shot. That's not true. You you can absolutely say Fred's going to get the shot and he's going to get it from here, and everybody on the team knows it. Yeah. So eventually came up with a definition and this is what's carried me through that um but basically um that offense was five is five people working together to get a shot they can make uh, i was talking to um uh, a co coaching friend a little while ago and he was talking about the a shot they can make bit right he said that that's the bit in the in modern 
offense he thinks particularly in this country that we're most poor at in other words you've got to have an offense that accommodates the kid or a guy that can create off his um you know can create his own shot uh, but you've also got to accommodate other other guys you know the the other guys who maybe need to get separation maybe need a screen or they they need a, somebody to cut so you know creates help that you can you can uh, uh, flare out i mean it's it's magic <laughs> no, no, no. Like, there are no magic it. systems but no. but to me it is you know how um i've got a question i'm going to talk about the game in towards the towards the end and we'll discuss that in detail because i'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts on that about how the game has been played at the highest levels now um, yeah yeah how did you this this so that you you've you've taken you've seen it it's almost a light bulb moment how yeah. did you bring it into your own philosophy and and, and specifically um you with certain teams so obviously your 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 successful hemel teams and then um you know with the junior programs and stuff how did you start incorporating those you know this this system and building it into your own kind of dna um did you change well, it radically or did you because obviously um you know here in the uk we didn't have as as much of the obviously raw talent that would have been available to coach knight and stuff so did, no, you simplify, no, no. did you simplify some of the rules and and or did you did you you know just take a couple of the actual alignments and just go with oh, that? that yeah oh that's that's really interesting tony i think i think that um I think the biggest failings of some of those early early days, uh, when I think about it and, put, and putting it, was this idea of looking and seeing. And I, I did a clinic a little while ago on this about, and this was Knight. So I can best describe this with with what Knight said about passing. You, um, I'll, I'll come back to your point because this is pertinent to it. That you you uh, you know I'm in the blue team and I. I've got somebody on my team who's in the blue, who's, who's wearing blue. I've got a red defender and a red defender on him. And, you know, the, the approach was simple that most players, and you saw it all the time, certainly with the junior national teams I coached, young guys, you know, talented physically and so on, who they would look at the blue vest and, and make a pass to the, to the blue vest. It, instead of reading the red vest and saying, well, where was the red vest? You know, we, we coaches talk about pass away from defense, all of that stuff, but it's not the same as saying, well, well, look at, look at that. So to answer the question, I think I, I think what I did was run very simple. Well, simple on one level, but sure. I guess complex on another yeah. breakdown drills. I, and I thought that was the the way, you know, I mean, I'm not so sure about that now, but the breakdown drills where, uh, you know, guys were encouraged to to read. In, that, in other words, every drill always had a defensive and offensive connotation. Mm, so, you, you, you know, dry running stuff. No, you, you can't read if you don't have defense. Right. You, you see what I mean? Yes, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I and that led to other other things, but I think that that's how I did it. But listen, I I, I there were 
there were problems with that you know there's no question about it you know teams were still running content even with the shot clock you know i you know i can remember some of those teams were going up against running was it flex and and uh, you know all these these different um shuffle stagger yeah shuffle yeah the, the famous shuffle stuff and 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 so on um and you always ended up deep in the shot clock with nowhere to go you know? yeah. it's, fun. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. fu it's 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 funny you know we just laugh about that because i have had this discussion just recently about shuffle stagger and you know i'd be for me because i loved it i saw it you know first specifically by lino frattini who, who coached at london towers and you know i took it lock stock and barrel but i always thought well if the guy shuffles off and you've got this guy in the post just give him the goddamn ball but everyone <laughs> wants to everyone wants to run all of these staggers just because it was the case of running them it was like so funny to see it and like you said i used to as a coach um you know coaching in in the bbl mostly you know i used to tell our team don't blow up the play let them run the play because they'll get to the end of the second shuffle uh, sorry second second set of staggered cuts and they they'll oh, be down for like three or four seconds they're going to be heaving the ball up so that's yeah, interesting so, yeah so funny so funny yeah it's, it's uh, funny from there um moving slightly on um just talking about you know that coaching influence um coach knight i mean you know i'm i will talk uh, about the, the defensive stuff but was there any any other coach that you know other or other coaches that you were taking inspiration for that's at the start of your career what who named some of these others that you looked at and i, I know for sure that you really went uh and, and studied hubie brown if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah uh, definitely yeah uh, i mean i know it's a hypocritical story now but uh you know the famous got on the plane went over to um, New York, met him at the Palisades and uh, at a personal clinic. It was, he was wonderful, actually, he was fantastic. And that actually um, was, was on, a, on a defensive uh, mission uh, because, um, he, you know, he, he had different keys for changing defense. And I came up with, well, I, I think to me, defense is one guy guarding the ball and four people helping. However, whatever system, whatever, however you play, you know, pressure on the ball is non-negotiable and four people help him. But certainly Hubie Brown in that, in that uh, clinic, sitting in his flat in New York, you know, glass of wine, it, it was. And then I got on a plane and came back the next day. Um, it was also the first time I really thought about the trap because he was really into that at that, at that time. But, and the... A, there was the physical execution of the trap, but also what the other three guys did, you know, how you could you could take the parallel away, take the down pass away, take the middle of the floor, but you couldn't guard the backside sort of thing. Right. Uh, and, and so there you could adjust it, make it soft. Anyway, all those, those, those uh, sort of things. But he was. But the other guy, and you'll identify with this because of, um, uh, you know, your thoughts about athleticism and pressure and so on was of course Tarkanian at UNLV wow. yeah I had a, and Bud Presley was there and Tim Gergovich who's who's uh, an outstanding individual development player in the NBA uh, coach in the NBA I think he's still in the NBA yeah. uh, but Tarkanian um, was was into movement fundamentals which I'd not really thought about and how you maximize that and how you control the other team with defense 
and control was the big word you know was was uh, not allowing teams to do what they wanted to do with this incredible pressure quick story for, i'm at the thomas and max center get off the plane go to the thomas and max center um where, where they were playing it had it had fairly recently opened actually but i go there and i'm sitting up in the stands you know is this kid this guy from england um and i'm watching practice uh, and they roll the balls out they don't roll the balls out i beg your pardon they don't roll the balls out for the first hour hour and a quarter of the practice it's all movement fundamentals. And when you, when those, you say when you say movement fundamentals, are you saying that there's probably early strength and conditioning guys running just just athletic drills there? You know, sprinting, change of direction, jumping, that type of stuff. Yeah, there was that, but there's also situational. So wow. I'm guarding the wing. I'm I'm showing baseline, but foot placement, hand placement. Um, but without, without somebody being there other than the coach, the coach would be on the side with the ball. You'd sprint, you'd close out, not fly-by closeouts. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, no. in, not in those days, but, no. um, but it was incredible. And the, and the um, you know, the, instead of step slide, it was pull push, yeah, pull push with, the, yeah. with the footwork, all of that, all, all of that, everything that made you quicker. And anticipation drills as well, which which somehow made them look quicker than they. They were great athletes because <laughs> yeah. he recruited to that. Yeah, he was able to recruit to that, you know. But my God, everybody talks about the running rebels and their break and the score. But that, that's the foundation was what he was doing then. Oh. Uh, and of course, I came back to England full of it. So <laughs> you know, I really thought, hey. That, that that's what you do and then suddenly you find a slow kid that can't move his feet <laughs> and um yeah you, you you have to find a different approach so, so yeah sorry tuck canyon was, was uh actually bob presley who was wonderful to me he was at menlo state an old guy real old pro you know used to practice with ice bags on his knees he was about 500 years old uh he was wonderful absolutely wonderful so talking a little bit about the Hubie Brown influence and and, yeah. and Tarkanian, you know, I mean, one thing that most uh, a lot of people know about you is, you know, is is your attention to detail at the defensive yeah. end. Um, yeah. Talk about your your man to man, you know, basic philosophy, um, how that changed, and then also, like you said, about this, you know, change in defenses because that was something you know that you you did a lot of in in, in your career. Yeah, I, I did, and that, I mean that's that's. Um, did you take? Um, did you take I, the? Did you take? Were you were you mainly Bobby Knight? You know, basic principles like we all were back. You know, right back then yeah. originally. You know, um, you know uh, how how you diagram. guarded help side, yeah. and, and every every defense was a combination. Of, every man defense was a combination of zone principles. Uh, and man and um so on but i think um i had some success with with changing defenses um so um you know i think i, I think it go, looking back i think it was stuff i'd seen from unc you know with uh, and what he did he was famous for that wasn't dean he smith, yeah absolutely. uh dean smith 
um, the interesting thing was that, that what I found was that even at the higher levels, uh, and Nick Nurse has used zone coverage, you know, in the in the in yeah. the NBA. I know they've got the three second uh, defensive three second rule, but anyway, um, I, and what I found was that almost change for change sake, I could never play a pure zone. I never played a pure zone. I wanted hybrids sure. of some for some form or another and what the one big thing it, it seemed to do was to knock the other team off balance but particularly these real pattern orientated teams and and create like an assist mentality in their in their players they all wanted to throw that back door lob or the um you know the great great passing to the high post or whatever and and I used that, uh, I, I, my philosophy, and it hasn't actually changed, even given the, I know we're going to talk about spacing and, and stuff, but um, I really I really liked, and that was with, uh, by one of the reasons I, I spoke to Hubie Brown, because he was doing it. I, I don't know how much actually in the NBA, but because um, he wouldn't have been allowed to play zone, but he had a lot of thoughts about keying on, you know, you'd make a jump shot, you're in one defense, you'd, you know, you make a layup, you're in another. Yeah. Um, I mean, you I'm, know me, I, you know, that was one of my tactics I've always had as, uh, you know, man on a make, zone on a miss, or vice versa, yeah. zone on a zone on a make, man on a miss, you know, sorry, man on a make. Um, you know, those are, those, those are just two rhythm con concepts, you know, like take really can mix up, uh, you know, get a team really un, un, unbalanced, you know, because they're Perhaps. having to attack against something almost every different every time down. But you, but you couldn't play pure, any of the uh, defenses, you know, that we use couldn't be pure, couldn't be, you couldn't play a, like a, a standard, you know, middleman zone, for instance, right. you know, or even off front zone, whatever. You couldn't, you always had to have something that maintained pressure on the ball and the other guys were all in next cover. Who's my, you know, who's my next cover? I, want I think just, that. I want to ask one very important question. Uh, I don't think this question gets asked hardly at all in clinics or when coaches speak. Um, how did you um, develop your, uh, the, not this take, forget about the offense for the moment, the defense, yeah, yeah. defensive play calling. So did you number the defenses? Was it 175, 50? Was there a different, what, 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 how did you do that? Did you see that from Hubie, from um, Bob Knight, or did you make this up yourself that this is how I'm going to, I'm going to take some of these things and, and put them into these, to these defenses? No, I, I, absolutely. Um, the, the Dean, those Dean Smith ideas, I think, were they, I, which I really like because they were so so simple. You know, you, 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 if you're in twenty something, the, the first digit was whether you play man for man. You know, it's going to be man for man coverage, and uh, you know, the, the, then the the second digit was where the pickup point was. Right. Now I I watered it down, but I mean, then I, junior players could do it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and I. I I'd throw it at them, you know, say, what's our 22 half court man for man? Because two, you know, three was four was full court, three was three quarter court pickup, and two was half court, you know, and one was quarter court. Yeah. I mean, yeah. damn, you know, it took about no middle, you know. You used to camp in there. So yeah. no, I I that, that was a very simple thing to adapt. Now I did adapt it. 
it was a very simple uh, concept to me. But do you know, I think my junior kids got it quicker and sharper than the, than than some of some uh, senior guys. You know, right. Anyway, that's yeah. No, that's, that's another, another story. Think, that's that's a really yeah. interesting point because I do think that younger coaches um, struggle with understanding, you know, how to put that, that, that kind of structure together, um, a cohesive, you know, message structure, you know, like that's easy to understand. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's a completely different subject, but I'm still absolutely interested to see how coaches in every level, whether it's the NBA, but specifically here in the UK, how they, react when the crowds get back in because at this moment they're yeah. basically coaching like they're in practice and there's no pressure you know so they're just calling yeah, out yeah, defense yeah. versus what happens when they the players can't hear the call um or it, you know it's much more uh, difficult to, to communicate well you know you know tom becker a fantastic coach um i know you and of course coach d know him very well um up at Sunderland, I, I can remember so he, he had colour codes yeah, going color on codes. the side. Rick, you know, he was, Rob, he was uh, in run and jump on a red. And That's right. Rob uh, yeah, yeah. Dip, Dip Donaldson also used that a lot uh, in college. Uh, he had the assistant coach um, hold up the the color code um, to change the defense. I remember seeing it. I never ever. I don't. I don't think I coached against him too many times. But yeah, that was uh, a. Yeah, uh, Tony. Can I just say one other thing about about um, influences? Do you know? I and I was thinking about this the other day that the that I think that there's no substitute for doing. I think I learned a lot by, I mean, how many practices have I coached you know, oh, over the years? Okay, you know, I, you, you learn by that and study, obviously my study trips. And the other thing was I taught a lot of courses, uh, ran the, and I ran a Lillishall advanced course, you know, a week residential course. And they say, you know, you, you don't know something until you teach it. Well, I, I, I think that actually really did, um, really did help me. And looking way back, I should say um, the guy that started me in basketball as a as a school kid, Tony Smith. Uh, I mean, sadly no longer with us, but but you know he was a fundamentalist. And I do think that some of my thoughts about the fundamentals still come. He was fascinated by the hand in shooting and how it turns and all this stuff, you know. Right. So That's that I, I got that. I I, I don't want to. Yeah, it would be remiss no, no, no. of me not to, not to mention not to that. Sorry, mate. Um, just good, going back to the man-to-man -man, uh, philosophy. Yeah. Um, so right back, you know, taking it through kind of the eras. At the start, you, like you said, you were, you know, it was the Bobby Knight philosophy. Were you, um, you know, very aggressively no middle? And was it a diagonal stance to the ball, you know, si sideline, baseline? Um, and how has that changed over the years, um, considering now the players are so gifted with the with the dribble drive? Yeah, um, well, I think with that, I think the 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 way it's changed, the way we guard one pass away, hasn't it? You know, um, and how and how we uh, and how we rotate or how teams rotate. So, I I, I still think that the the um, uh, you know some of the his adjust some of the adjustments that you that you make, and I think keeping somebody in front. We you know we talk about it a lot, but I I, I it's it's just really hard to do. Um, there's no no question about that. But I I think 
you know, somebody can't beat you off the dribble and if they haven't got the ball. You know? so, <laughs> I mean, there are some there are some things you can do. But I, I, I going back to my previous thing, it was, I, I think that's one of the strengths of a of matchup hybrid type zones. You know, you, you, if the guy can see people in front of him, you know, the more people he sees in front of him, the tougher it's going to be to, to, to come off a, a one-on-one dribble. Yeah. But I, I, I don't have a magic answer for that, I've got to say. What, um, I mean, also, I mean, now you're, you, you're advising your coaches and stuff now and you're seeing these younger players. I mean, are we, are we losing the emphasis of actually controlling the dribbler is it, or is it the dribbler is so so gifted now? I I I said I'd sense that there's there's sometimes there's a lot of like just literally giving up almost on some plays, you know, when they get close to each other, they're almost letting this guy pass them without like real having that real desire to stay in front. Is that am I right in thinking? Yeah, that? yeah. I I uh, I think one an interesting idea I think is that you know the tough allowing a tough two as opposed to a to the three-point shot so almost inviting them you know running people off the three-point line and accepting the fact that they're going to you know it's a percentage isn't it they, they're going to get into a tough into a tough two and then obviously quick rotations maybe you know xing on the on the weak side to when they reverse the ball that that sort of thing um but yeah, I, 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 you can't, you can't uh, give up. I mean, no. you know, you've got to keep, you know, you, that's, that, that, that's, uh, that's a no-no. But I do think you can, you can guide, you know, um, you can, and it's about your body position, isn't it? When you, when you first uh, handle the guy and understanding the space, uh, one of the difficulties is that, you know, um, a lot of guys will be open if your hands are down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So, yeah. So I, I, am more inclined on that. Uh, the, you know, the idea of one guy guards the ball, four people help. I think you take away the three, and and you you try and and create a tough two, um, because the mid range shot, it, you know, that's probably the toughest, isn't it? I yeah. don't know. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I had this discussion with Rob Panostro the other day. Um, and, you know, my philosophy has always been pretty much the same in, in this kind of, you know, new era. You know, when a team, when a team can make 10 threes on you plus 10 and more, you know, you are really up against it. You really yeah. are. It's 30 points, you know, whatever way you want to look at it, you know, absolutely. then they score, they score 20 points in transition and, you know, then they only need another, you know, 20 or 30 points in other parts of the game. It's, it, you know, so I've always felt that if you defend the three point line and you keep a team, you know, eight and below, it's almost manageable. I, You're always going to be in a game, you know, when they're at 10 or 15 frees a game, it's, it's really, absolutely. really hard. You know, so yeah, no, it it changes the three. You can't, yeah. I mean, you can't win, um, you know, if you don't have great three point defense. I think that's that's or or ways or a system of making sure that you get coverage. And then if there is a mismatch, it, as I say, it possibly doesn't matter. To, I was saying about flyby, <laughs> you know, closeouts. It possibly doesn't matter so much. You know, uh, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a it's an interesting one. I've been um, t- 
talking to some coaches and also looking at that philosophy of um, so like, you know, like you say, on a flush or, a, a, you know, a, a real hard closeout, which takes you past that dribbler, um, you know, the traditional way that I've taught is that player has to get back into the same to the play, you know, on that same player. I'm now, you know, starting to teach, you know, Bang. that that player is peeling back to the next rotation and there's someone that's on the help. Um, and that's forcing all kinds of rotations across the core. And like you say, you hoping to get like this middle two point floating type shot for that player contested. Um, and then you're going to have Especially the Especially if there's a big, up. if there's a big coming, you know, Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, that's uh, that's something. Uh, I think the game is definitely changing in that way. And, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I agree. It is. Yeah. Um. Talk, so, talking about how things are changing, you know, talking talk a little bit about um, spacing and the ball screen. Now, you know, we talked about that that rules based approach to motion. You know, to the to kind yeah. of traditional motion offense. I mean, back then. Um, you know, the pick and roll was, a, you know, was a very, you know, was used. It was, it was something, you know, that was slowly coming into the game. I mean, now, um, you know, it's multiple ball screen actions, you know, most yeah. some decoy to bring slot, lots of slot built ball screens, you know, a lot of side, different change in the angle. Well, get, talk to me about, you know, the ball screen and, and spacing in, in the game in, in, in the state. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's an evolution I've seen. I mean, but um, uh, the Knights thought originally on that he didn't like the the ball screen because his argument was it brought defense to the ball, Absolutely. and um, yeah, you know, which yeah, I, I I can remember running practices again, preparing a team and putting in the ball screen because we've got to guard it, you know, and and it was. It was really successful, you know. Uh, they was I'm thinking, damn, you know, this this is uh, this is interesting. But more importantly, originally it was really a two man thing, wasn't it? It, 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 it? I don't know, but today it's used. It's a device that's used to create scramble in defense, create advantage, and then get the defense scrambling, isn't it? Um, and then and, and going back to reading, and of course within the the two-man action you you you've you've got to uh, read uh, you can't it's just not automatic uh, i can remember i coached the gb um uh world student games team uh, out in izmir and we played lithuania uh, i mean the guys did well we had some late you know pops who was going to be on that team and uh and some other Luau Deng was going to be on it. But anyway, we had withdrawals. But we played uh, Lithuania and it was going into the end game. It was it was close. You know, it was it was even or, or we were down one or whatever. Anyway, two times they come down the floor and just ran the traditional two man game on one side of the floor cleared out, you know, really quite, quite basic. But uh, they just scored on consecutive offers. We lost by five, I think. So um, that was one way of using the ball screen. But now, my God, how creative are people with it, yeah. both guarding it and, and actually using it. Younger age groups in this country, I've been looking at some, you know, uh, EBA, EABL and even some National League stuff, and some of it could be terrible. <laughs> yeah. There's no advantage created at all. 
No. So you, you, you've got to create advantage. Um, and I, I've always wondered, but if you could have a guided potato stay attached to the, to the handler, it could really stay, could anticipate it, get over it, you know, stay attached. Sure. You wouldn't have any mismatch. Uh, and, 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 I, and I think that, um, you know, I mean, you, we, we can name all of the, the coverages on, on ball screens, but I even, I, you know, at clinics, I actually say to them, you know, the first, the first coverage of the ball screen is to blow it up. And that's by getting over and defending, yeah. the ball, putting enough pressure on the ball handler that he can't use the screen. Now, let's you know if we look at our own country here that's achievable in the uk it's not achievable in europe um and potentially in the rest of the world because in europe the the screening is so dynamic and so strong and they allow so much movement you know it's literally uh, right. plant at at the, at the moment of contact in the UK, in the BBL, they call that an offensive foul, you know, where, yeah. whereas, yeah. whereas they're using their hip, um, you know, and it's really, really hard. Normally that the, the ball, and, and this comes back to learning that, that reading of the screen and the using of the screen, like you say, creating an advantage. Our ball handlers just allow a, a gap and then now they can, the player can get over. And in yeah. Europe, they're just taught to use that shoulder and get right into the screener. And now they're coming off and now the defense really has to react then to the next phase um, because that player is just dead. He's just died on the, on a six ten big, big body. Kind of thing. <laughs> big body yeah. You know? <laughs> I think one of the, one of the, 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 the actions I do like out of it are actually three man actions that, 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 you know, if I was coaching today, I'd want to run, uh, I'd want to screen for the guy that was was going to end up as the ball handler, Absolutely. you know, because then they're showing so you can slip it. There's all sorts of, and then they've got to rotate. You're into creating that advantage. I really like that. And I see there seems to be a trend towards like ghost screens as well, doesn't Absolutely. it? I mean, a just, lot of ghost screens, yeah. Just, just uh, sprinting at the guy and then go, and the defense is already anticipating <laughs> yeah. the bigs out of position. Yeah. And the other, the other, I think the most effective, because I, I wanted to talk about transition at some stage, but the, it is the drag screen. Yeah. Um, be, especially when their big, you know, stays in the lane. Um, well, and, and because he's sprinting back, you know, he's I mean, trying to get to there. The thing with the yeah. drag screen is that, um, I mean, I actually, I'm going to say about spacing as well in a minute, but the, the thing with, the, with that drag screen is, you know, what do you do with a player like Steph Curry? Now I know that we don't have a Steph Curry in our country, but <laughs> we wished we did, but you, you know, most, most, most players, you know, are, you know, have some, some of, you know, the, you know, like a Raymond Fletcher, or, you know, when, when you're in a drag he was situation, he, he was, was terrific this weekend, this, this whole last Yeah, he week. was terrific in that final. Yeah. And, you know, with him, you know, you're, you're big, you know, you're traditionally told, you know, if you're a big, you know, sprint back to the rim, protect the pain, but you just can't be in that situation now. And no. what I used to talk uh, with drag screen action was, you know, go under, but now it's really hard. So now you're almost like you're forcing that, you know, forcing him to use the screen and to drive the lane because you don't want that player to, to, to be able to come off and get a clean look, a player of that level anyway. Um, no. Right. Drag screen action, um, double drag, all of those actions are so important as a, as a transition basis. I wanted just to say, though, on the spacing, 
which I found really interesting. Um, and I know that the, the, the NBA have started to use this, um, this front cut um, is, is running even on any single high action. If you, if that player, like, let's say is coming off from right to left and he's coming off the screen and it's a drop coverage, you know, by the big, by the, the big, player, yeah. the player in the corner, a lot of the time, you know, his defender is, his eyes are looking at the ball and a lot of teams are running that front cut in front of that player yeah. for the for the layup at the ring because you know maybe maybe the big has helped up a little bit and the spacing now is so great everyone has to be somewhat attached in some sort of way um, to these three point shooters so there's some really interesting concepts when you talk about this four out you know five out spacing now for cutting and I believe and just I just I want to just get your thoughts on this that a yeah. coach such as yourself would probably be even more successful now because of the way you taught some of the actions, back cut, you know, this front cut, the re- reading yeah. of that um, versus, you know, because there's no question there's a, there's a, there's a downs, downs, uh, downsizing of, of the skill development of some of these things in our country. Yeah, no, and that, uh, you're absolutely right. That, that's, um, that's down to reading. I think you know with the European European idea, you know, playing out in the middle of the floor uh, much more, and then to me, I, some offenses looked a bit stationary, you know. But um, that, but then when you really break it down, you can see that some of those cuts people are reading, you know, they're, they're absolutely people turning, you know, defenders turning their heads, and that's that's a read so you face cutting or not even back cutting you can you can even face uh, cut that yeah, yeah I, I i agree but I, it still goes back to the principle of of reading and i think that comes out even more in transition right. because i think you know with the shot clock uh, in the game there are so many possessions in a game and as coaches i do think we spend a lot of time on what we're doing in the half court with a recovered defense and what we're doing, you know, in the half court with against a recovered defense. Oh. And yet there's all these opportunities in transition. And uh, believe me, I've, I've run some of the prettiest early offenses you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, the defense doesn't cooperate. So, no. so you, <laughs> you know, in, in uh, transition, I, if you can get to the point where you're not, you know, you're not, turning it over when you've got advantage uh, offensively and if defensively you can get to the point where you're recovering uh you know you um, i i can remember i think it, it was uh who the hell was it um i can't remember who it was now but i i, I was at a clinic and somebody's talking about drop two so delineating who was gonna who was gonna get back first without losing offensive rebounds yeah. You know the ability to get position to rebound, uh, but anyway, if if you can um, if you can study, I think what happens in transition and all of those opportunities. You know the transition three, best shot in the game. To well, me, <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up. I've just written it on my notes. So yeah. I mean, there obviously uh, one part of the game which, you know, as, as, as older coaches and we're, you know, more experienced coaches, we're starting, we're having to learn about is the analytics part of the game. 
Um, yeah. Some of this stuff that's coming out of the NBA. Um, Unbelievable. We, we know and we understand the basic analytic of three is worth more than two. You know, we understand that. So like you said, in transition, when you pass ahead, whether it's point to, you know, it's his wing fast break, a sideline fast break, or whether you're, you know, making some sort of cross court pass, which I don't like, but, you know, let's say that that happens and you just take these pull up threes um, with no offensive rebounding. I mean, we understand, I understand the basic analytics of that. The facts are, it's a shot. If it goes in, it's worth three. If it doesn't go in, most of the time, your team is not out of position defensively. You can easily recover five below yeah. the ball. And you know, it's just a, it's a, a, point, a five second differential in, in the game. So we all understand right. this basics. But again, you know, in a purist form, you know, especially coaching younger players, it's so, you know, it's so hard to see this physically I... with our eyes, you know, and, and what it's doing to some of our junior players. Like I remember you, you were saying about, you know, searching out the, the highest percentage shot, the best shot. And that, that surely is not a great shot, especially in the UK. Yeah. I, it's all about levels, isn't it? So you, you, you've got to teach on, on rebounding, by the way, the, the, I think if you, because it's a recovering defense, I think offensive rebounding is um, easy. is easier. Right. It's, it's actually easier. Um, uh, I, I can remember actually setting a whole game up with Czechoslovakia. I was coaching England. We played Czechoslovakia at Granby Halls, you know, in Leicester. Yeah. And the, the idea was um, that we would shoot early. You know, everybody was talking about, okay, you know, work, work for it, but you are working together to get a shot you can make shoot early because, you know, they can't, they can't rebound defensively. Uh, they can, they're not, the box out or the block out isn't sure. as, uh, as effective. But yeah, no, it is, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's the modern game. And if that's where we're going, um, I don't necessarily mean we've got to follow the, the, the NBA and that massive rise in, on a percentage basis. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, it, it's a, it's a shot you can practice in the gym on your own, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah. But I, 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 you know, I agree with you. Um, but you can't help but think, um, with even one rebounder, you know, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be, be a good shot. There is time and score involved, of course. Yeah, of well. course there is. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we'll come on to that in a minute, but, um, yeah. you know, let's talk about, um, you know, one of the things that I took, you know, away from yourself as, you know, even as a young player and, and then, you know, obviously seeing coach done in, um, in, in effect was this incredible organization of practice um yeah you know the the and 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 the role that drills played in those practices so you know talk a little bit about that you know how you develop that philosophy and how that you develop that also but also about the role of drills in developing a player you know in and we're talking more about repetition versus game situations which you've briefly touched yeah on. um yeah i i do you know, I, I've in latter years, um, I've I don't even like the word drill. <laughs> I think it kind of sounds robotic, <laughs> you know, that you're you're teaching ro uh, robots. But obviously, with closed skills and so on, you have to. Your repetition is is obviously really important. But 
but I think, yeah, I, I think um, a player will not develop uh, through drills uh, alone. Uh, you know, he, he's got to be exposed to, to a whole series of, of environments, you know, scrimmage. I mean, just absolutely no, no coach scrimmage, you know, just so he can experience it. He's got a, um, I think he, he his development is in, he's got a scrimmage and have conditioned scrimmage sure. in practice. And he's got to play games, you know, you do, to get those experiences. But um, I would say early on, uh, because of the rules-based stuff I was running on offense, that offensive drills tended to, my offense tended, to, the great thing about it was that in breakdown, two, two, three, three, whatever it was, four, four, you were practicing your offense whilst practicing the fundamental. So if you're if you're practicing, you got three guys involved in a in a in a drill, you know, down screen drill or something, you're you're practicing what you're gonna do in in the in in the drill. So in the game, sorry. So uh, my my thought on that was that you know, oh, I'm practicing it. So breakdown drills are, are good. But the, it, I think it's a question of how much you do, isn't it? That's what, I mean, equally, you don't roll the balls out on scrimmage for two hours. No, I, I mean, I, 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 this is a really interesting subject, I find. Um, and I understand where, you know, some of our community, so I put that in loose words. So some of the coaches are, are going with this game-based approach. Um, I hear this, you know, you know, oh, Spain yeah. are a games-based approach. Uh, you know, that's how they teach. Well, I, I, I debate that in a big way. And plus also, historically, they're still great teachers of the individual fundamentals. And then, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. The, the, my my counter to that has always been, um, well, what about Serbia? And the Eastern Bloc countries, you know, they are still in blocked practice. You know, it's repetition. Now, they they also have this incredible environment where they play pickup, they play basketball twenty four hours a day. It's part of their yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they see the intricate details of players, you know, executing a skill. So now they can copy all of these things. Um, but I do say there is this, you know, authoritarian dictatorship <laughs> role in Serbia. And by the way, they're producing some of the best players in the world, you know, in it's, the world. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 think... it's a tough one to talk about always to say someone has the right answer or the wrong answer. I mean, that's my personal No, no it, it is. It is balanced, but it's the quality of the drills, isn't it? It's that's what is understanding what you're trying to get out of them. Uh, and what you're trying to achieve with them and um uh, and then setting them up in such a way that that they you know that, that there's rotation in it that it's on one side of the floor on the other side of the floor and, and attention to detail because it's that's where you can you can coach the detail just screening you know um i've got a famous situation at reading where uh, when I was already where I remember an American player we brought in and I, we were talking about a down screen action. And um, he said, I asked coach, I, I know how to, well, you know, I know how to, how to screen, you know, I know, and I know how to come off the screen. So I said, oh, that's great. Let's go, you know? And of course I'm teaching the angle of the screen, 
uh, reading if he's above you, what you're doing. That. And he couldn't do it to save his life, you know, because he'd been taught, right, guy comes down, hits your man, and you pop up. <laughs> and then that was it. And the, the and he's setting the screen, a down screen with his shoulders to the baseline, which is the easiest thing to slip around because you're not a big enough, you know, if it's an angle, you're a much bigger target, stuff like that. So yeah, it is it is the quality of the of the drill, I think. Right, that's an interesting point. Um, one quick question on um, developing the player. Um, I, I'm I'm really interested to 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 know your thoughts on this. Um, the, it, forget about the fact that we probably still aren't a very good passing nation, but our biggest deficiency is still shooting the basketball. And as yeah. this is the most important skill in the world of basketball now, it's it's not even questionable. What, what, yeah. what do you think, we're, where are we failing as a nation um, when it comes to teaching first the technique and then secondly, you know, how it evolves in, you know, as, as, as you get older and uh, to the next levels? Yeah, I, I think it's about the, the, the focus in shooting practice. I think you can shoot for an hour and not improve you know <laughs> not get anywhere or you, you shoot around so to speak you know or you can have a focus seven minutes and uh, and really be better but it's the mechanics isn't it it's the it, i reckon i could walk into almost 40 percent of the gyms in this country watching a group practice shooting and simply change the arc of the shot and <laughs> <laughs> the way that the and they're automatically going to be better just as simple as that you know and then that comes down to the the detail of the technique um and then it's the decision you know when to shoot but i i i, I again i think it's the um obviously the volume uh, uh, i think it's been shown that volume shooting in itself isn't the solution it's the quality of what you do um, and 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 the mechanics uh, and also the mental aspect i think success you know success sure. um equals confidence and confidence breeds success uh, i don't know that's the answer no 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 <laughs> i mean that's a, that's a really good point um yeah. I, I just want to note though your thoughts as as a governing body um or, or whoever do you think that we we should be emphasizing more on shooting considering that's such, you know, such a deficiency and, and it shows up at every level that we play at. Yeah. I think that's been, I think that's been sort of a you know, when the um, performance stuff was coming in, I think that was sort of a addressed or identified, wasn't it? But there were so many things that we weren't good at. It kind of got lost, didn't it? you know, um, so yeah, I, I, I absolutely. I, we we should really putting the ball in the basket is is the most important fundamental without question. So I think there should be a massive um, emphasis on that, and I, and also within each individual practice, you know, you've you've got to. It's so easy go through a practice and you're running this, you're running that, and then you got team stuff and so, and then you think hey, we haven't shot. Right. Now, I've I got, I got to say that I had a fairly recent experience of a coach saying to me, well, now my guys are 
our experience, the veterans, we, we, they don't need to practice shooting. So, okay. Well, so, okay. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you my, uh, I'll give you my, um, uh, story from Japan, which was, um, when we did our season ending interviews, uh, at the end of last season, um, almost every Japanese player said, uh, coach, um, you don't need to do shooting drills in practice. We shoot an hour before practice and an hour after practice. Right. And it's absolutely true that game speed with proper drills, they were shooting before and after practice. And, um, right. you know, they just felt that, um, I just messed up, you know, I didn't need to use that time in practice to shoot because of course I was so used to putting shooting drills in between some of the actual practice itself of course um, to yeah, get yeah. the repetitions up so yeah it's crazy 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 scenario um talk about a little bit about um uh the role of the timeout and making some in-game adjustments you talk about changing defense it's really interesting to know what keys those um and then also your philosophy in time in taking timeouts and how did you evolve that you know what what were you you know did you did you dictate to players you know what were you how were you using the board etc etc yeah um i i i think i i i'm gonna start with lillishaw right so i met with a guy a football coach called dave sexton once I um, he, he's not along with us, but he was famous uh, as a great thinker in, in soccer, you know, and so on. And it was really interesting because we used to train there and um, he was there with the, with the FA school. And he was absolutely envious of the fact that the coach in basketball had so much game time contact with, you know, with 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 the team. And and then I saw some uh, real you like this some real the best timeout I ever heard. Uh, was I saw some grainy old film of Red Orback coaching the Celtics, wow. walking up and down saying, get me the rebound, get me the rebound, get me the rebound. That's all he said in the whole of the timeout. Wow. No, no strategy, no doubt. No, but anyway, uh, that, that's, that's extreme. And of course, he had a relationship with players where he was the boss too. So he was paying their salaries, you know? Yeah. So the me bit, as opposed to get us yeah. was interesting, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think it starts with a possession by possession mentality as a coach and you can change, you know, don't burn timeouts. I think that's the big lesson, isn't it? To, to have them at the end of, uh, in crucial situations. Um, and maybe, you know, use substitutions or switching in coverage, which, you know, you need a system for doing that through a player, through an individual player or huddle. Um, I, I, and you can, you can get to the point where by having a possession by possession mentality, you want a next play mentality, or the players need a next, next play mentality. But you as the coach should be possession by possession. Sure. So that, in a high scoring game, you might go eight, nine down, 10 down, whatever. And actually you're getting good shots, you know, they're making sure there's no need, you know, unless you want to stop their momentum. Uh, but in a low scoring game, you could, you could go four down. And if you have a possession by possession mentality, you're more likely to uh, be able to read that and call a timeout. But, but Did you... you've got to have a system for timeouts. Yes. Yeah. yeah you know, and I, 
I think you've got to refer always in timeouts to uh, to what you've done in preparation. I, I like Greg Popovich talking about this, actually. Um, try and get through a timeout, coach, without using the word don't. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, just try, you know. Um, you know, for example, I mean, you don't foul. You know, at the end of the game, you know, you mind, you they say, oh, I'm going to remind my guys, don't foul, don't foul. I used to, I used to or often run a practice, a drill at the end of practice, consecutive stops. Yeah. You know where you go split it into three, three on three. You've got to get two stops to come off defense. Use two balls so it's a constant onslaught. Yeah. So, and if you foul, you go back to zero. Yep. So, if in a timeout you say, so guys, just like consecutive stops. Yeah. Just like consecutive stuff, you know, you refer to something that you've prepared sure. and that you've prepared and that you've practiced. I'm not a great fan of this thing about drawing this up or drawing that up. You know, I, I know you can draw up adjustments maybe and that sort of thing, but some magic play that you suddenly draw up and everybody says, oh, he's brilliant. And then it, they don't score and it, it's, oh, that's a terrible play, you know. I think, <laughs> it's, it's, I think now... Um it's what i've learned you know of course we're all different um i i definitely felt i was under resourced with um end of game you know eogs and end of sideline you know sideline yeah. um, plays yeah. at the end of the games um so i i actually started i i had done this from from probably pretty much from germany so every every higher level that i've been at so i was starting to um put what i call the black series in and we would dummy that normally once a week um we all we would play it once a week uh against some sort of defense so we knew that it were like so for argument's sake 10 drill 10 10 plays uh end of game full court um play um a, a baseline out of bounds some sidelines once i got to japan i realized because we were playing 60 games a year we needed yeah, yeah. more. We needed to, to really get a lot of those kind of plays in because we were always constantly in these sideline end of game situations, and we needed to advance the ball and, and run a and run a really. But, good play. but that's in preparation, isn't it? Preparation, that, that, absolutely. So the timeouts you can re, you can refer refer to that, or even Ab signal it. Uh, absolutely. But you could you can only make one or two intelligent points in a timeout. Totally, in my opinion. Yep. You know, you 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 can't you can't run a clinic. You know, anyway, I was, I, you you've got to have a ritual as well. Right, exactly. It's got to be. There's got to be some sort of consistency in there. There's, there's, yeah. there's no there's no doubt. Um, when uh, when you were you did you have a system? You know, because you'd coach so many games. Um, did did you have a system where? Okay. Um, I go down six, you know, or eight, I'm going to call a timeout, you know, or, or let's say they score three possessions in a row. I know a couple of coaches, I've seen it, they, the team score three possessions in a row and they call an automatic timeout if they've yeah, got that timeout. Yeah. Um, or were you more feel for the game? You know, I trust my team. Um, free, we can make these free possessions up. There were some issues there or I'll change it. I'll make a substitution. Was, were you more feel versus system? And that, that also goes with substitutions as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, early on, I, I, you know, I was, I think I just wanted so much control. You know, I think I was, I was so neurotic about, about that, but definitely feel 
came and I think and I again I can identify when that was beginning to happen you know um so I think the second uh in my case uh, and as I say you can't it's difficult to have hard and fast rules you know you sure. it's it's a it's a it's a game with different dynamics every time the ball goes up there's a there's a different dynamic you you like the players have got to read and, and adjust yeah so yeah, no, I think I think, but that does come with experience, right? You know, you you can, you sort of can anticipate things. You know, uh, I I know I've seen a steal and I've gone to the the table and called a timeout before I've even seen the you know the end of that particular sequence because I know I know what it's going to be. You know, um, on this same kind of subject, I asked this to most of the senior coaches um, yeah. when you uh post game so you know post game were you were you into players straight away um you know straight into the locker room you know with a with a debrief and then what was your next process like um watch the video of the game and then review with the team you know some days later what what, what was your process and what what you know how did that evolve as well yeah no that that i got that changed. I got better at that when, when uh, towards the, I don't know, last 20 years or something. Sure. I think um, uh, you've got to, you've got to say what you can build on. You, you've got to say something positive. You, you, you can't, you know, after a game, you've got to think about that. And plus it takes the emotion out, you know, uh, and then you've got a chance to uh, look at what actually happened on, on tape. I think that, you know, quite often a coach, you can be wrong. Totally you can right. be so wrong about something, you know, <laughs> you can say, well, yeah, why? And then you see you've got screened <laughs> off and we should have switched it, you know, yeah. that's that, that sort of thing. So I think you've got to take the emotion out and it, but it does depend on what level you're coaching at and um, not, not that basic idea. I think you've got to, you've got to do that. But then the post, you know, the analysis, you know, they say a great expression that feedbacks the champ is the champ breakfast of champions. And um, I think that's absolutely right. You know, the, the, the quality of the feedback then becomes, you know, you see a performance gain going forward. Right. Um, if Did it's you, poor, then it won't be. Were you, um, do, you know, in the past 15 years or so when video 10 10 years when video became you know much more available were you having these team feedback sessions and you were directing you know hey um why didn't we help in this situation johnny why you know why were you late on the help uh you know why did was the help not helping someone else you know what why why didn't we make this extra pass and you know being what we would term coaching if you had said that to me at 14 years old um i would have said yes sir yes sir you know my yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. now players seem to find a way to think that that's been critical um what yeah, what, yeah, what what's yeah. what's the, what, what was your philosophy there and, and how has it changed yeah i definitely changed i changed it to how you know how are we going to guard the ball screen you know <laughs> so you you show the tape and then going back to practice you can say you can it's evident you know that we didn't show on it if that's what we were doing um or or whatever but the but the i think the the, the value of um video feedback 
is in very small groups. It's having you and one player or two players. It's very difficult to do it, I think, and maintain focus with a whole group, right. the whole team. You know, uh, I mean, the best situation I ever had was at Reading, you know, we, where we had an end room in the gym. Sure. We had the, the practice gym and then an end room and we would go in there. Great thing about that was, uh, and, you know, I saw Coach K do this at, uh, at um, never forget where he is, Duke. That's right, yeah. <laughs> at Duke, where, where he'd be on the floor and then go off into the film room with two guys and then come back on the whilst the assistants were running it you know so i think it's overestimated what you can do with a with a with a full team and underestimated what you can do you know with one or two guys max really it might be positional you know sure. um if you believe in positions as such but let me let me just quickly tell you a joe pace story like you know joe was NBA sense that I had at uh, Hamill I mentioned earlier and uh, I can remember <laughs> thinking right well you know we're getting very sophisticated here this is back in the 80s we've got a film room we've got a, a place where we can run some film so we're, we're looking at this film I'm making some coaching points and he just said uh, coach uh, actually he took me aside it was afterwards he didn't embarrass me he just <laughs> so I said coach I'll get the rebound and I'll throw it to a guard and he has to go score. If I don't get a re, if he doesn't score, then he should wait for me to come down the floor, throw it to me, and I'll dunk. <laughs> it's pretty simple with him, with his, with his athletic thought, ability. Hey, this is a simple game. Yeah, a simple is. game. But no, definitely, it, it is how you do it. But people have got to be accountable. Right. You know, you you can't. I mean, shot selection is probably the most difficult thing to be accountable for. But again, if you you know five goes back to five guys working together to get a shot we can make you yeah, know that's great um talk about uh coach development today um i mean the whole you i asked the question almost every time about yeah you know, our fraternity you know and you know where we are as a as a as a coaching as a as coaches in this day and age and where you were when you first started out obviously when you first started out like, you know, uh, coaches that came before you, like Coach Collins, and then afterwards Coach Dunning and all of these other coaches, you know, it was it yeah. was scarce resources. And I think the drive to learn was was probably even more. Now it's completely different. It's the exact opposite. Well, talk, talk about that uh, yeah. from there to where we are now. Well, that's an, a really interesting. Tony, can I say something about the Olympic legacy on this? Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I don't have to worry about this. So uh, I, I thought it was an absolute wasted opportunity. And frankly, for uh, in terms of coach development, uh, to have in the sit on the sit on the men's side, you know, to have um, administrators sitting on the bench at the Olympics, I think was was nothing short of disgrace for coach development yeah. in this country. I'm sorry, but I don't. I, I feel so strongly about that we had two great minds coaching yeah. obviously as they've gone on to uh, yeah. to prove but you know we could have had a head coach and, and the, the lead assistant could have been a head coach american leader could have been uh, british there were plenty of british coaches who could have filled those roles what anybody says absolutely could but they were learning you know could have been learning i think uh, i think it was an absolute wasted opportunity and tragic um yeah. but anyway 
that's my rent. No, you don't. I, totally I've heard right. other people talk about it, and we can't, we can't, you've got to say it like it is. Yeah. You know, that that was wrong. It's yeah. just flat out uh, wrong. Anyway, um, yeah, coach development today, um, the, the thought I had the other day was that, you know, that in fact, I was talking, I think, with Alan uh, Keane, you know, at uh, Reading. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah, as a throwaway comment about, you know, there's almost too many, there's almost too much, too much you can research, you know, too many resources. And I think what we end up with is, and I think that's true today, I think um, become YouTube coaches, you know, hmm. you, 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 there's a danger that we're, we're developing maybe, you know, uh, certainly being academic about it, it's not, I don't have a problem with that and understanding uh, and having ideas, but you've got to settle and you've, whatever you settle on, you've got to know to the nth degree. Yep. So get an idea, go ahead and research them, but have an idea how you want to play the game or what's important about maximizing potential. But, but and I, I think but, but it's I a think, danger, isn't it? Yeah, but I think just going back to your point, um, you know, towards the start, um, you know, once you get these ideas, the most important thing is you got to go on the floor and you got to you got to go and execute them. And you know, I, I, like I tell lots of young coaches, you know, sometimes I run a drill or a play, I realize straight away that it's not correct, whether it's for not correct for the group or it hasn't worked for the level or whatever. And yeah. you've got to hold your yeah. hand up and say, you know, guys, we're going to junk that. Um, let's move on. But that's that, you know, learning or, or we make an adjustment or a player turns around and says, coach, actually, if I flare screen this guy and slip, it'll be better than you just asking me to make this action here. And you're like, oh, actually, that really does work. You know, let's add that. Yeah, in. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and, and I think that too many of these younger coaches are, like you said, just watching the video and putting it down and talking and talking, but not actually being on the floor. I, I actually think you've got, I mean, learning from players, by the way, that's, and I, I should have mentioned that. I think that's a, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I think uh, with putting it on the floor and showing some leadership on the floor, and I think there's an argument for, I know there are different coaching styles, but insistent coaching, I think, is important. And that's based on your belief. If you believe something and, that, and, and you've thought it through and you can put it on the floor and say, look, this is why we're doing it. But then if you're running drills, as you say, uh, and you think, I'm not getting out of this, what, what we should get out of it, junk it. Yeah. You know, don't do it. And the other um, thing I see is with young coaches in team preparation, I saw, uh, you know, before the lockdown, I mean, I'm talking about now, but I saw a guy working with his team on zone attack. Uh, I call it attack as opposed to offense, but anyway, sure. on zone attack. And it just went on and on <laughs> and on and on. And the guys were clearly, you know, it was the, the, the defense didn't represent what a defense should be because they were getting fed up with it. The offense was just getting, uh, you know, it just wasn't executing, wasn't having success with it. You, you've got to go 10 minutes and then go do something else, then come back, do another 10 minutes and then come back and then do another 10 minutes. Now you've done half an hour on attacking a zone, uh, but you haven't done it all in one in all in one chunk you know um there there, there are uh, that that would be my fear but listen i think there are with young coaches with, with coaches especially the 
guys, you know, in the ABL and there's some fantastic coaching going on mm. and people pursuing coaching, really getting after really. it and wanting yeah. to understand. Yep. But just, just, you know, settle, settle on something that you can defend intellectually, know it to the nth degree and then go and do it. Yeah. Do it and do it and do it, you know, on the floor, do it. I think that's the best for me, the, the key. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, quickly on um, why do you think, though, um, we as a sport um, are still underutilizing um, coaches such as yourself, you know, Coach John Collins and, you know, Bob Mayan, Jeff Jones, Mark Clark, all of these, you know, like mm. legends of coaching. Why do you think we're underutilizing um, some of our best, you know, knowledge and best, you know, uh, ex, you know, coaches, even if they're not coaching on the front line anymore, um, unlike, say, Spain or Italy or Serbia or these yeah. other countries where they have a culture where that, that person is, they might not be like, I mean, you're taking someone like Warwick Khan, Warwick, I thought, was retired when he came to the UK. Now he's back <laughs> in Australia and he still has a position, you know, in Queensland in some capacity. I think he's the chairman of coaching. Um, yeah, why, yeah. why are we why are we just not utilizing, you know, people like yourself and, and or, or putting a structure together to allow that? I, uh, who knows? You know, I really don't know. I think out of sight, out of mind, perhaps. Um, but you're right. I mean, certainly in Europe, I, I again, I relate everything back to my own experience. The um, <clears throat> Russian Olympic coach, um, G Gamolsky, yeah. you know, he, um, I, had the, I had a fantastic opportunity to coach against him, actually, but it didn't end well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, well, neither could it, but, you know. But um, he, uh, in the four-year cycle, you know, in two of those years, he was working with, I mean, from mini basketball upwards. You know, he's the Olympic coach. Yeah. But he's in there, obviously, helping um, uh, other young coaches um, and helping develop, which creates a, a, a sort of a production line, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I think, I, think, um, I think coaches who, older coaches, who have... Um, the attitude of uh, I want to be in the modern game I want to you know certainly I have this I don't I don't want to be an old fogey you know that doesn't that doesn't live with a modern game doesn't understand the modern game I try and keep updated every summer particularly um, but why why uh, those resources aren't being used uh, I mean I'm doing a bit of mentoring but on a, on a more formal way Sure. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it may well, maybe it's thought that there's better knowledge uh, and better influences in other places. And clearly other countries have been uh, more successful than, uh, than us. So maybe it's just not thought that uh, the depth is there. And yet we've been in gyms for years and years, you know, taking care of business. So yeah. I, I, I don't know, Tony. I, I, that's, that's, that's the truth. Okay. Um... Rapid fire uh, questions. Favorite basketball drill? Yeah, he said you uh, don't like drills anymore. So favorite basketball practice stroke drill? <laughs> yeah, I, I like. Yeah, I like um, uh, practice. Um, 
favorite drill. Right. I I I like conditioned five on five. And I uh, you know um I particularly like um give me a couple, right? I like um I like one drill where, where you go you play seven points or something. Anyway, the offense has to score five on five, the offense has to score uh from the field or from the field goal or or from the free throw line. Um has to get back, has to defend, has to get a stop, and then has to get a good shot, come back and get a good shot. The original score doesn't count unless you get the stop. Wow, love that. And, and love I, that. I, I think adapting that, so you get all of the reading, you're, you're yeah. practicing your office, you're playing basketball, you know, five on five. Another one I used more, more recently, conditioning five on five, is put the coach on the baseline this is a great transition drill. Um, stop people, you know, uh, um, not seeing the ball on defense because it's the moment of transition that counts. That's the key, isn't it? When you That's know you've got the ball, coach under the uh, uh, under the basket, offensive play. You don't whistle or call. You just show a silent fist in the air, and the guy with the ball, of course, has got to catch and look. And most often, catch and look. He sees the coach puts his fist up, he just drops the ball. Now, the defense, everybody on the what was the offensive team has to know that the ball is turned over. Turned over but yeah. there hasn't been a turnover as such. So they've now got to recover, um, yeah, like uh, cover, cover back to uh, defense. That way, you're not blowing a whistle because that doesn't happen in a game. No. You know, you're not using your voice, which doesn't happen in the game. I try to go through a practice without a whistle once. Right. Found it quite hard, but it's, yeah, it it's probably good. I do. I use that same. I use that same uh, drill, but um, uh, instead of them dropping the ball, I, they shoot the ball on my on my on my command. Oh, okay. Same. Yeah. Same, same thing. thing except, so except you, the shot is more obvious. Um, exactly. Yeah. With, yeah, with yeah. dropping it, we just literally don't put it on the floor. No, no, no. Yeah. You literally, yeah. you literally drop it. And this, the one you like, the last one I like is, um, and I've run it a lot towards the, at the end of practice, uh, you know, the consecutive stops uh, yeah. drill, because, you know, it builds mental toughness. Oh. It, it, you find out who the guys are going to fight are, you know. Chris Finch loves that. You know, we used yeah. to do everything, you know, three consecutive stops, ball screen defense, regular defense, you know, yeah. situational defense, you know, three consecutive stops. Otherwise, you, you're just staying. So, yeah, it's good you, stuff. You're, you're staying really, on it, yeah. yeah. Really good stuff. Um, All-time favorite basketball coach. You can have a couple every, if you want. <laughs> okay. Every, well, Every coach that I've tutored, or uh, I'm prepared for this question, every coach I've uh, tutored or mentored. Okay. How about that? Is it? That's a good. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. Um, but obviously, uh, Coach Knight. Okay. Coach Knight for thinking about the game. I don't like some other things which we all know about. No. Yeah, that's but, right. But one of the greatest. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he's great. the he's he's he built some, he built foundations of our of of the game, which still prevail today. Yeah. You know, it's not even a question. Yeah, winning with less talent and all that. Yeah, absolutely, Coach Knight. Um, go to favorite saying or statement that you used to say all the time. All the time, 
it's easy to be mediocre. It's easy to be mediocre. Awesome. Great. That's a great way to, to, to end. Coach, um, listen, you know, like with over, almost everyone, we could, but certainly with you, we could continue, continue talking. Yeah, uh, it's been pleasurable, um, you know, to talk about, you know, really in-depth, you know, points of the game and your view, you know, views, you know, you've had so much success. Um, I just hope that um, there's a way that our country um, and the coaching, you know, the coaches that are in this country can, can take, continue to take the, the knowledge and wisdom that you have. Um, and I thank you for being on uh, Time Out Coaching Podcast. Appreciate it, Tony. Really appreciate you. Good luck to you this coming year. Thanks for listening to another episode of Time Out. You can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify. So please like, subscribe, and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode.